and welcome to another episode of the Back Check the Hockey History podcast, where we revisit uh, NHL players' cases for the Hall of Fame. My name is Riley, and I'm with Bill. Hey, how you doing? Good, how about you? I'm doing all right, thanks. And today, we've got the class of 1970, um, and we got three players uh, this time, and one is a defenseman, two are defensemen, sorry, two are defensemen, and one is a forward. We have Tom Johnson, Bill Gadsby, and... Cecil or Cecil, babe, die. I would say Cecil, personally. I think but, I would say Cecil, so, oh, you know. There you go. <laughs> um, so first off, we're going to go, we're going to start with Tom Johnson, who played from 1949 until, uh, well, sorry, technically he started his career in 1947, but he really played um, from 1950 uh, until uh, 1965. Uh, he, he came up for a game in 1947. I don't know why it's uh, and then uh, he, he, like many, many, like the Habs were deep, so he didn't make the Habs his first try, and then he made the Habs. Um, and he, you know, he played for uh, 16 seasons. 14 of them were good. One of them, of course, was a cup of coffee. At his retirement, uh, he was the 13th defenseman all time with 213 assists, and just goes to show you how little uh, they scored back then. <laughs> Because 213 yeah. is 13th all-time. And 21st all-time in points among defensemen with only 264. Um, we have plus and minus for the last third of his career, and he's a plus 56, which was 11th all-time among defensemen, but it's safe to say uh, he would have been plus a lot more had he uh, uh, had it been recorded before that, in part because his two years on Boston, he's a minus 30. My God. <laughs> He's plus 86 with the Habs in four seasons at a time when they played 70 games. Uh, so presumably the first like 10 years of his Habs career, he would be plus, you know, another, I don't know, what would that be? Like another uh, 200 or something like that? Wow. Well, I'm guessing. Yeah. But based on, you know, the rough, roughly plus, plus 20 every season, right? Yeah. Um, so... Um, uh, per game, he obviously, this is not an offensive defenseman. He scored 51 goals in 16 years, so he doesn't qualify for any per-game leaderboards. But if we lower the qualifiers among defensemen, so he does, to 50 goals, 200 assists, and 250 points, he was uh, 13th all-time in assists per game and, uh, or sorry, 10th all-time in assists per game and uh, 17th all-time in points per game. Uh, I said 13th before because that was including some of those hybrid forward guys. But he would be last on both of those lists. Uh, this was not an offensive star. Of the 10 fencemen, roughly speaking, to play in at least 820 games or 10 modern seasons, between uh, 50 and 65, um, he is second last in goals, second last in goals per game, third last in assists, third last in assists per game, third last in points, third last in points per game, third last in offensive point shares, second in defensive point shares, and seventh in point shares, and sixth in games. So uh, this is a guy who uh, he won a lot, his team won a lot, but he didn't score much. And that is, of course, the big challenge with these guys is like, should, you know, we all we're talking about this. I feel like we talk about this every few years when they when a defensive defenseman is inducted. Right. Yeah. Uh, these guys, did they do enough to get in the Hall of Fame? Uh, his 82 game average is a fairly paltry, but not the most paltry we've ever seen. Twenty two points plus five. But again, not including uh you know, most of his career, and 6.8 point shares, which is fine. 
His three-year peak from 57 to 60 is a 70-game average of 31 points, so significantly better. Um, he did score a little bit more, and plus 26, uh, which looks a lot better, but of course is skewed by the fact that only one of those seasons he actually had plus-minus. Playoff-wise, he despite scoring only 23 points in the playoffs, he still ranks among the top defensemen ever at his retirement. He was six in goals with eight, 15, uh, 14th in... Uh, assists with 15 and ninth all time and defenseman points in the playoffs with 23. <laughs> um, also eighth all time and plus minus, despite the fact that that was also not, you know, most of his career. Um, he was also uh, the fourth defenseman all time in games played with 111 playoff games behind only Red Kelly, Doug Harvey, his teammate, Marcel Protovos and Butch Bouchard. Uh, of course he played for the Habs. So that helps. <laughs> It would be very silly for us to do any per-game stuff, but we're going to do it. If you lower the qualifier so he does qualify, he was 18th among uh, all-time in assists per game and points per game among defensemen in the playoffs, but last on that list. I.e. there were only 18 players that qualified. Hockey references adjustment bumps him up a little bit uh, to 26 points per 82 games, which is good. He doesn't qualify for the versus X adjustment because he didn't score. Um... And in terms of trades, uh, there weren't any. He was waived by the Habs in 1963 after, you know, what you could call a Hall of Fame career, given he's in the Hall of Fame for it, and then proceeded to play for Boston for two seasons. In that first season, he had one of his best offensive seasons of his career. Well, not one of his best. One of his, yeah, one of his three or four best, but was a minus 16. And the next year, uh, didn't score much at all and was a minus 14. So clearly the Habs got rid of him right around when they should, though Boston in 1964 sucked. So that may have not been entirely his fault. Um, so you might be wondering why somebody like this is in the Hall of Fame, beyond the obvious reason that he was on the Habs. And the first thing is that he won the Norris in 1959. And if you know anything about the 1950s Habs, you'd be like, wait, what about Doug Harvey? Um, and the interesting thing about that is that he, he only finished top five in Norris uh, voting two other times in 1956 when he fin when he was a second team all-star and finished um, fourth behind um, his teammate, Doug Harvey, Bill Gadsby, a player we're about to talk about, and Red Kelly, all first ballot Hall of Famers. Um, but his teammate won handily uh, and, and outscored him, out, you know, out point shared him, uh, you know, outvoted him. And then also in uh, 60 as well, he also finished top five. And that year he finished by, I think Doug Harvey might have moved on by that year. I'm not 100% sure. Oh, no, Doug Harvey is still there. He finished behind his teammate, Doug Harvey, Alan Stanley, Marcel Pronovos, and uh, the newly emerging Pierre Pilot. Um, actually, Pilot was older than I thought. Uh, all of whom, again, are Hall of Famers. Um so you might say, oh, well, like he, uh, you know, he, he's in really good company there. But it's just really weird because he basically has, he has three years total of his entire career where he finished top five in Norris voting. And two of those years, he was almost last among the, the players. And then there's one year in which he finishes first. And I'm, I'm sorry, I'm trying to pull up <laughs> that year, the voting for some reason is going to not the voting, but the 
year, uh, the total. All right, pulling it up. Um, and uh, I mean, I think it's safe to say, um, well, two things. Doug Harvey hit a down year offensively. Um, so that probably helps. Um, but it could be voter fatigue, right? Yeah. Came in first. Bill Gadsby, who we're going to talk about in a minute, came in second. Marcel Pronovos, third. Doug Harvey, fourth. Um, Tom Johnson doubled Doug Harvey's vote. He also almost doubled Doug Harvey's points that year. Um, so maybe they were just going by points. But, you know, at this point, Doug Harvey was... I don't know why I keep saying Doug. Harvey was <laughs> the consensus best defenseman in the world. Um, he was winning Norris after Norris after Norris, and it could be a little bit like Michael Jordan suddenly not winning MVP. Yeah. Because people are like, well, we got to give it to somebody else. On the other hand, you know, he did outscore Harvey, and Poss probably the only time in his career that he outscored Doug Harvey. Yeah, uh, maybe it was maybe it was like a case where he was an excellent defensive defenseman, and they're just waiting for a year where he's going to put up good enough stats that they can give him some acknowledgement. Yeah. Could be right. Doug Harvey also missed nine games. Tom Johnson didn't miss a single game, but like sometimes people don't care about that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's one of those things. I'm going to see the the next highest scoring year, 1960, when he he came in fifth and he scored 29 points at 39 the year he won the Norris, and Harvey scored 27 points, but still won the Norris. Um, anyway, who knows? I think I'm not. I was under the impression they were D partners. I'm not 100% sure about that. Um, I guess if I looked at their their shots, we might know. Tom Johnson shot left. But I don't know. Were, were they really like slaves to that back then? I don't know. Handedness? I really don't know. I, I, don't, I don't think so, but I think They both shot left. I, I, think, I think typically you sort of just played wherever your coach told you to play. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I think um, there's no way of knowing this for sure, but it, it always seems like there's way more left-handed shots um, playing hockey than right-handed shots. So at a certain point, you typically end up with at least one of your defensemen playing on his offside. Yeah, yeah. Um, just, you know, the guy's better than any righty you can find kind of thing. Um yeah, and it's it, it it's a weird uh, it's a weird like anomaly because of hockey too. Um, there's actually a thing about uh, golfers where uh, Canada and Quebec in particular has like the highest percentage of left-handed golfers in the world because everybody plays hockey, so they grow up swinging that way. Yeah, and then by the time they're you know most most people start playing golf in their teens, sometimes in in a, their young adulthood, and so by then you've already played hockey, so you already swing left. So we have a, a disproportionate amount of lefties. Yeah, speed uh, totally unrelated to that. Did you see that Steph Curry just won a celebrity tournament? Uh, I did, including yeah, I a. I saw the hole in one. Hole in yeah. one, which was pretty amazing. Um, and, then I, and then I saw the controversy it, it on does, the last hole. <laughs> it does seem like Tom Johnson and Doug Harvey might have been a pair together. Um, so that, I mean, I guess if voters were like, "Hey, we got to give it to one of the Habs to top D," and and Harvey's having an off year. Maybe we give it to Tom Johnson. I don't know. I honestly, you know, we were not there. Yeah. But like, you got to say the Norris and his one first team All Star appearance are a huge reason why he is in the Hall of Fame. I would think so. Whether or not he deserves it, I don't know. Um, he was a best defensive player by 
of defensive point shares twice, according to Hockey Reference, including the year he won the Norris. So that's good. That's like one of the few times those things actually line up. Usually they don't. <laughs> um, he was a top five defensive player seven times, which is tied the sixth most ever. And he was a top 10 defensive player 12 times, which is tied fifth most ever behind only Lidstrom, Harvey, Horton, and Bork, which is really great company. But also it's important to remember the point shares take into account wins. And guess who was winning a lot of games <laughs> between 1951 and 1961 when he did that? And it was the Habs. So it's one of those chicken or egg is Tom Johnson helping the Habs become one of the most dominant teams in the history of sports or is one of the most dominant teams in the history of sports making Tom Johnson better than he was. And I think, you know, it's one of those things that if we had ice time and he was playing 26 minutes a night, I would be very willing to concede that this man who didn't score very much is like a really important player. Right. Yeah. Um, so lastly, the other thing, in addition to the Norris, the reason he's in the Hall of Fame is, of course, he won some cups. And when I say some and I'm talking about the 50s Habs, I mean a lot. And in this case, it's six. Um, he actually led all defensemen on the Habs in points in 1953 in the playoffs um, when he had five. <laughs> I guess Harvey <laughs> didn't have a lot that year. Let's let's see how many Harvey had that year. Um, oh, he co-led. Harvey had five as well, but I gave it to him because Tom Johnson scored goals and Harvey didn't. Um, which is like the tiebreaker I use when I'm coming up with that stuff. He was a top two defenseman by points on two other champions in 57-59 and one runner-up in 54. And he was a top four defenseman by points, we don't have ice time, on two other champions in 56 and 60. All told, between 1952 and 1960, he won six cups. That is a lot. That's one a year, except for two seasons, um, you know, including the, he was part of the five back to backs that they won. Um, you know, it's one of those things like you always say, Bill, not enough information to throw him out. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have no idea. I guy who scores this little I think you win six cups. Now, obviously, you just be in. as a first pair defenseman if he's first pair defenseman for all those cups then i'm fine with him being in the hall of fame i have no idea if he wants an an important part of the team but he could also be kevin Lowe, right like right place right time you know yeah good player but probably Mm -hmm. shouldn't be in the hall except that he won six cups and five in a row and it's like you know you're you're if you're an important part of a team like that you often if it's debatable you will get the nod right so That's a really good comparison. I think not that they necessarily played the same way. I know Tom Johnson was like really like a bit of a, I think he had a bit of a streak, mean streak though. When I look at his PIMS compared to Bill Gadsby's, I go, maybe not. Bill Gadsby had a lot more. Um, (laughs) But like, I do think it like, that's the kind of question. It's really that question is like, was he Kevin Lowe in the fifties or was he actually like the guy who allowed Doug Harvey to be Doug Harvey? And, you know, just like a really, really important part of the team. And the only way we find that out is we watch a ton of games or we have ice time numbers and ice time numbers are a good proxy, right? If we knew he was playing over 25 minutes a game in the playoffs or something like that, and be like, yeah, cool. All right. <laughs> sure. Why not? Um, whereas if on the other hand, is he playing 20 minutes? And I'd be like, yeah, I don't know about that. 
you know. All right. So up next, we have a guy who managed to play even longer um, than Johnson did. Johnson played how many games did I say? He played uh, 978 games, which is a long career back then. But yeah, not to be all done. Bill Gadsby came up in 46, and unlike Tom Johnson, he did not go back down. He and then he played until 66. So he outlast he lapped he like outlasted Johnson on both ends of his career. Um, first he played for the Blackhawks, then he played for the Rangers, and then he played for the Red Wings. And um, he was spectacularly unlucky in that regard for a guy who played 1,250 games over 20 years in the original six era, and he didn't win a single Stanley Cup. Um, he was, of course, like I said, on the Blackhawks when the Blackhawks were absolutely terrible. He got traded or he got sent to the Rangers when they were terrible, and then he got sent to the Red Wings after the Red Wings were good. So that sucks um, because he was uh, one of the greatest uh, like offensive defensemen of all time at his retirement. Um, it's safe to say it's him and Bill, uh, him and Red Kelly prior to Bobby Orr in terms of like, I mean, players who played that long, like you can go back into the twenties and find some crazy offensive defensemen, but of course positions weren't really set back then. So he played 21 seasons, 16 quality at his retirement. He was third all time in, uh, goals by peer defensemen. If we're not including Red Kelly, Dick Clapper, Reg Noble, Doug Moans, Babe Siebert, those guys, if we just include actual defensemen, he's third all time. If we include those guys I mentioned, he's 11th, but he was behind only King Clancy, Flash Hollett. Um, actually, it looks like he's second. No, he's third. He's third, sorry. Yeah, behind Clancy and Hollett. I don't know why I have his name there. Um, he was also first all time uh, in assists by a guy who only played defense. Red Kelly was the only person ahead of him. And by this point, by 1966, uh, Red Kelly was a center and had been a center for six seasons or five seasons or something. And he was first all-time in points among defensemen at his retirement. Again, uh, Kelly was ahead of him, but Kelly had been playing forward for a few years. He was somehow a minus 62, um, but that was because uh, plus minus was only tracked for the last like quarter of his career. And he was on the Rangers and the not very good Red Wings for that period. He was a minus 51 in New York, uh, but only tracking the last two seasons of some really bad seasons. If you're a minus 31 one season. Um, And uh, he was a minus 62, sorry, minus 11 rather in Detroit because his last two years in Detroit were actually plus seasons. Um, It's really hard to know with this guy because he was never on good teams and he scored a lot. And is it, one of those, like, is he like Phil Housley? I have no idea. Um, I didn't see a play. Um, he was also a third all-time in games played by any player at his retirement. And the first defenseman, the two guys ahead of him were Gordie Howe and Ray Kelly. Um, he was third all-time among defensemen in point shares at his retirement behind only um, Doug Harvey and King Clancy. And he was ninth all time among all skaters. Now that's partly because he played 21 years, but still, that's fairly impressive. He was 12th all time in defensive point shares, and among defensemen, he was first all time in offensive point shares. The only people ahead of him uh, are all guys who played forward for part of their career. So I'm giving it to him. 
Um, he was tied 25th all time in assists per game, the last among qualifying players. But he qualified, which is crazy for players from back then. He was also second all time in points per game among defensemen at his retirement, uh, only behind uh, Doug Harvey. Um, so that's also very impressive. He doesn't qualify for goals per game, of course, but if we lower it enough, he's third all time as retirement and goals per game among defensemen behind only Flash Holland and King Clancy, both guys who hadn't played in a really long time. Of the 11 ish D to play in at least 820 games or 10 modern seasons between 46 and 66, Gadsby is third in goals, third in goals per game, second in assists, third in assists per game, second in points, fourth in points per game, eighth in plus minus, second in offensive point shares, eighth in defensive point shares, which is not good third in point shares and second in games. So, and two, I should point out that both Ray Kelly and Doug Moans would be on that list. So really he's actually first in most of those categories because I don't know if Doug Moans was playing. Yeah. Didn't Moans start it forward? I think he did and then switched. And then Kelly, of course, switched the other way. So it's possible so. that Moans was a forward through the overlap of their career period. Um, I think. So, so really, like we're talking about Gadsby essentially being first, the like best offensive defenseman of his era, depending on, you know, how how much overlap there is with him and Kelly. His 82 game average is only 38 points and minus four, but again, that only accounts for part of his career. Um, but his three year peak is a much, much, much higher 64 points per 70 games. Um, and that's because he just played forever, right? So, like, he didn't score a lot in the early years, um, and then he didn't score a lot at the end. But in the middle, he was scoring a lot, um, especially when he was on um, the uh, Rangers early on, um, when he was he was really, you know, he, he scored a lot. Um, where was I? Uh Playoffs-wise, uh, he was six all-time home defenseman in goals in the playoffs at retirement, uh, 14th all-time in assists, and ninth all-time in points. And, of course, he's worse, much worse in those than Tom Johnson because he played for some shitty teams. Sorry, I read out. If those sounded like Tom Johnson's numbers, that's because they were Tom Johnson's numbers. So. <laughs> um, but, again, not actually not actually great. Uh uh, six all-time in assists, ninth all-time in points, and uh, not on any list in goals. Uh, plus seven in the playoffs, which is nice. Um, and uh, six, uh, eight, 15th all-time in, in games played. So well behind, like almost half the playoff games of Tom Johnson, slightly more than half. So way, way back because, again, played for shitty teams. He made the playoffs um, seven, no, eight years out of his 21-year career. It's brutal. He was in the original six. It's, it's what luck. That is terrible luck. <laughs> or, or you could say it was all his fault. Uh, uh, depends on your interpretation. Um, per game, uh, obviously doesn't uh, qualify for most, but um, among uh, uh, APG, he was the 50 all time behind uh, Pilot, Harvey, uh, Tremblay, and Stasny. Um, Um, sorry, correct something. Um, if we lower the qualifiers for the others, he's last in goals per game among uh, defensemen, just like Tom Johnson would be, I think, and then ninth in uh, points per game. Um, 
of the 34D to play in at least 41 playoff games between 1946 and 66. He's 12th in playoff goals, 13th in playoff goals per game, 5th in assists, uh, 7th in assists per game, 6th in playoff points, 9th in points per game, and 5th in plus minus and 12th in games. So very much not the same offensive stats um, as, uh, you know, um, as he had for the regular season, but like his teams weren't any good and he was presumably facing like the best, you know, I would assume given his, his relative prominence on some, you know, end of year all-star teams that he was playing like the most minutes. So he, he presumably actually had to play defense. Uh, the hockey reference adjustment for era um, actually uh, does it bump him over. It, it um, bumps him up. Six points, um, sorry, eight points um, to 46 points for 82 games. And uh, he obviously doesn't call for for any per game. He doesn't call for for versus X with goals, um, but uh, he does uh, versus X does like him when it comes to assists, bumps him up a bit. Um, he, we've never actually sat down and done the per game um, versus X just for defensemen, so I have no idea how he'd rank for that. So, in 1954, the Blackhawks uh, traded him and Pete Conacher, who's a, was he a child or a brother of the famous Conachers? Oh, he's the son of Charlie. Okay, um, he was the son. Traded the son of Charlie Conacher and Gadsby to the Rangers for Rich Lamoureux, Nick Mikoski, and Alan Stanley, um, and. I guess it depends how you feel about Alan Stanley, whether or not you think that's a win for which team. And then um, seven years later, six and a half years later, you know, seven years later, he was traded to the Red Wings for somebody who named Les Hunt, who is so famous, he doesn't appear to have a hockey reference page. So I'd say the Red Wings got the better of that one. Um, I had no idea about the middle trade there. Um, but in both cases, you know, he went from situations that were like, well, Blackhawks would like, not long after the Blackhawks traded him, you know, Bobby Hall and Stan Nikita showed up. And uh, and then the Rangers were just the Rangers in the 60s. They weren't very good, 50s and 60s. And then, of course, by the time he got to uh, Detroit, Gordie Howe was ancient, um, you know, and the Red Wings weren't very good. Uh, Gordie Howe was only 33, but he was actually younger than Gadsby, but, um, you know, was not. They were not the old Red Wings. They were not in the Stanley Cup final all the time anymore. Um, so uh, one of the reasons um, he uh, is in the Hall of Fame is he finished top five in Norris voting six separate times. He never won once. He finished second three times, which feels a little unfair. I presume almost all of those were to Doug Harvey, but we can find out Um <laughs> So, uh, yeah, the first one was definitely to Doug Harvey. <laughs> Might have a bit of a Brad Park situation here. Um, yeah, second one. Sometimes you're the best guy, except for that other guy. <laughs> yeah, the second one in '58 was absolutely to Doug Harvey, and the one in '59 uh, was uh, to Tom Johnson. Hey. hey. Um, and then he finished third in 65 when he was on the Red Wings and somehow the Red Wings were not terrible. 
And uh, behind, you finish there behind Pilote and Jacques Laperriere. Um, and then when he finished fourth, he finished fourth in um, 57. And he finished probably behind Doug Harvey. Oh, yeah, and Red Kelly and Fern Flamen. So, you know, a guy who was definitely considered one of the best defensemen of the era at times, but also, like, never good enough to get across the hump. He did make uh, three um, first-team, you know, first all-star teams. And he also made the second team four times. So basically, he was considered one of the best four defensemen in the league for seven years out of his 21 career. 21 year career. And those are really spread apart. The first, second team he got in 53, and the final second team he got in 65. Um, Weirdly, he finished top five in Norris voting in 63 and didn't make an end of season All Star team. Go figure. I don't know what that means. Um, Anyway. Uh, he was a top 10 player by uh, uh, point shares overall in 58 once. Um, and actually, I think that might be the same year that Tom Johnson was. I don't know, 59 was the year Tom Johnson was in there. Yeah. Um, and uh, he was a top 10 offensive player, weirdly enough, in uh, 1954. How that works, I don't know. He had, <laughs> uh, he had 40, he only had 41 points, but I'm guessing the, the Blackhawks maybe didn't score like at all. Uh, if he's a if he's that much of a yeah he was second on his team in scoring with 41 points whoa that's crazy he had more goals than uh, oh my god he finished fourth in goals on the 1954 Blackhawks wow <laughs> that's pretty bad this is 1954 he's a defenseman how is I mean it's because nobody scored 20 goals but still that's mind blowing. No wonder he has like crazy offensive point shares. <laughs> According to point shares, which are not that reliable, he was the best. He was he was so much better <laughs> offensively than the next guy on this team. He has four point seven offensive point shares, so the next guy's three. Wow, that's really funny. There's there's a bump there you get for being a defenseman, I think, and scoring that much, but still, that's yeah. really funny. Um. Unfortunately, he never was on a leaderboard for defensive point shares, and I think that's partly because his team, his teams just sucked. Like he was just on bad teams. He was top five in assists three times. Uh, sorry, uh, top five assists twice, top ten three times. He was top five assists per game twice, and top ten three times. He was one of only three defensemen. Well, four if you conclude Red Kelly to have forty assists twice. At his retirement, but I think Rick Kelly did both of those as a forward, so the other two were Pilot and Harvey. He was top 10 points once, top 10 points per game once, which for a defenseman at this point is quite high. He was one of only two defensemen um, to have 50 points twice at his retirement. The other one is Pierre Pilot, who was, you know, we've talked about arguably the best offensive defenseman ever prior to Bobby Orr. Um, he was the best player by points on the 56 Rangers who did absolutely nothing in the playoffs, but I just feel like I should mention it. Um, then, you know, they got eliminated uh, as they did. He was the best defenseman by points on the 63 wings who actually made it to the final. The only time he made it to the final. He also led the playoffs in penalty minutes. If you care about that, actually he made it to two finals, three finals. All his finals were with Detroit. I think. Um, yeah. He made three finals in 63, 64, and 66 with an old wings team that were a little bit better, I guess, than I thought. 
Um, and he was top two by points, uh, top two D by points on the uh, 64 and 66 ring wings. And I will look up who the defenseman who outscored him was. Um, let's see. It was someone named Doug Barkley in 64. No idea who that is. Uh, and 65, oh no, 66 rather, 66 is when they made it. He was outscored by, uh, nobody, Bert Marshall. Um, yeah, so at least he made the finals a few times. I didn't realize he made the fun. I'd forgotten he made the finals a few times. This guy's like, it's hard to know, you know, he, those years with Detroit, 66 was his final season. He was a plus 12 in 66, but those two other years they made the finals. Bill, he was a minus 12 and a minus 20 in the regular wow. season. Yeah. That's, that's not good. <laughs> no, it's not good. I don't know what to make of that. Um, I do wonder if he was just a pure, like, he, sorry, he has a lot of, he has a lot of penalty votes. There are a couple years where he went, uh, four years where he exceeded 100, um, one year when he exceeded 130. And that's in a 70 uh, game season. Um, I don't know. Like, it's possible he was just not a super great defensive player, but like was good enough offensively to play a lot. It's also possible he just had terrible luck. Um, I really don't know. I mean, I would love yeah. to have his plus minus for his entire career. I would also love to have his ice time. I just really, uh, it's really annoying when you don't have like the stat that you think could convince you, you know? Yeah. I mean, he was by totals basically along with Red Kelly, the greatest offensive defenseman the sport had seen prior to Pierre Pelot. And uh, I guess maybe Doug Harvey as well. But like, unlike Red Kelly, he stayed in the same position for his whole career. But like, he definitely the the main things that like make him stand out are the Norris finishes and the All Star team stuff, but nothing else, right? The the total, the offensive totals, but like, I mean, he played twenty one years, so of course he's going to have high totals for a defenseman. Um, but like, yeah, I don't know. I'm really, I sort of figured it would be obvious when we went through it, and I'm sort of like. Eh. I mean, I guess, I guess, you know, it's hard, it's hard to make seven end of year all-star teams, right? That means you're pretty good. If yeah. You do that. Yeah, that's true. Um, but yeah. And, and, and having, what did I say? Five or six top five Norris finishes is a lot as well. Six times six. That's a lot. Um, but I still like the numbers are not amazing. Um, in terms of certainly the plus minus is are kind of terrifying for the, the times we had. And, and, you know, especially seeing that the, I just assumed the Red Wings were bad those years. Cause he was such a minus player. Turns out, no, they were good. So that's weird. Um, unless, unless they just did well in the playoffs. Cause it was the, they could have been like the fourth seed. Right. And then, yeah, they had Gordy Howe. So 60, so he went to the finals. Bear with me. 63, 64, and 66. So in 63, 
64, and 66. So in 63, the Red Wings were, uh, oh yeah, the fourth, the fourth seed. <laughs> Look at that. Um, but he was, there were only a couple guys who were worse uh, than him um, in terms of a minus that season. Um, in 64, they were the fourth seed. Okay. There you go. We're getting somewhere. Um, and everybody was a minus on the team, basically, even Gordie Howe. Um, but Gil, uh, but Gil, uh, Gil Badsby. Uh, Bill <laughs> Gadsby was a team worst minus 20 that year. And then in 66, they were the fourth seed. Um, and uh, apparently it was very common to be the worst playoff team in the original six makes the finals. And he was, uh, that was the year that he was, uh, one of the, he had a great plus minus relatively speaking. So go figure. That didn't clarify anything for me. <laughs> nope. That did not help. Nope. They were a mediocre team. Sometimes he was a minus player. Sometimes he was a plus player and they made the finals. Go figure. All right. No idea what to do there. Lastly, we have uh, Cecil Babe Dye, um, who is an old-timer. He, his career began in 1919 um, for the Toronto St. Patrick's. If they were even called that yet, they might have still been in the arenas, honestly. Uh, I don't know. When they didn't have a name. Oh, no, they were the St. Patrick's. Um, and he played eight se- or sorry, 11 seasons, eight qualities. So, uh, and uh, when he retired, he was third all-time in goals among all NHL players behind only Cy Denony and Howie Morenz. Um, he also uh, he was also fourth all-time in uh, points behind only Denony, Morenz, and Reg Noble. He was 13th all-time in games, so way, way lower than that. He was 10th all-time in point shares. And... At his retirement, he was fifth all-time in offensive point shares behind only Morenz, Nell Stewart, Aurel Joliet, and Cy Denny. So great company, one of the all-time great offensive players of the 1920s, safe to say. Um, when I did these notes, which presumably was probably before Connor McDavid um, you know, upped his scoring so much, he was fourth all-time in goals per game behind only uh, Mike Bossy. Mary Lemieux inside Denny. Uh, he doesn't qualify for assist per game or point per game leaderboards, but if you set the qualifier to something he does qualify for, he's ninth all time in points per game at, at his retirement. Not very impressive, though, because his 82 game average was 75 points, still much higher than you might expect for a player back then, but like not a point per game. And all goals. We're talking about 61 goals per 82 games. That's his. That's not adjusted. Wow. Yeah. They, they scored a lot of goals in the, 20, in the early 20s. His three-year peak from 1920 to 1923 is a 24-game average of 39 points and, get this, Bill, 31 goals. Wow. It's way above a goal per game. It's yeah. way above. It's crazy. But that did happen. I don't think he was the highest scorer in that period. Um, so the playoffs are weird because, of course, as we talk about every time we talk about play, NHL players in the 1920s, the Stanley Cup finals were with other teams from other leagues, and they are not included in the NHL playoff stats up until 
1927. And so his playoff stats are terrible. He scored two goals in 10 games in the NHL playoffs in his career. But of course, that doesn't include his Stanley Cup um, playoff numbers, which are like all in like in like individual ledgers somewhere on the Internet. And I just didn't bother figuring out because it would take a long time. Um, I don't think I did anyway. Um, I might have briefly for the great teams later, but uh, I didn't try to figure out uh, per game because, of course, you score two goals in 10 games. Of the 77 skaters who played in at least 10 playoff games between 1919 and 1931, he's 34th in goals, uh, last in assists because he had zero. And for 51st in points, keeping in mind, of course, we're talking about a very small sample, and that what really mattered was the Stanley Cup Finals, which are not included in that. Hockey reference uh, bumps him up a lot, as you might expect. Um, he His 82-game average, again, was 75 points. Hockey reference to that adds nearly 100, giving him an 82-game adjusted average of 171 points and 99 goals, which is just dumb and doesn't make any sense and is the reason why adjusted stats back then are bad. That does make him first all-time in adjusted goal three <laughs> among all players. Probably by a lot, frankly. Um, he does not qualify for this game or point-per-game uh, leaderboards. However, if we set the qualifier to something he does qualify for, he would be 11th all-time in just points per game. That is bullshit. Um, he doesn't qualify for the versus X adjustment, both because he didn't score enough in terms of assists, but also because the versus X adjustment actually starts with, in 1927, and he, of course, played only a couple years after that. Uh, trades back then were um, kind of weird. Uh, so he was loaned, first of all, he was loaned to, um, the Hamilton Tigers for six, sorry, 20 days in 1920. Uh, he retired to play professional baseball in 1923. Uh, I don't think that went very well because he was back like immediately. Yeah. Like immediately. He didn't really miss any time. Like he, like he was back that season. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, sorry, he, missed, he might have missed a couple games. Anyway, uh, so the, the Leafs, uh, once they were called the Leafs, traded in the Blackhawks for cash in 1926. And then two years later, almost to the day, the Blackhawks traded him to the Americans for cash. And then a year later, um, right around the stock market crash, actually, uh, he was traded by the Americans into the um, a minor league for a guy named George Massacre. Not Massacre. Massacre. <laughs> Uh, but then he came back um, briefly at a comeback with the Leafs at the very end, uh, but they released him after six games. Um, anyway, trades for cash, really hard to figure out you know, what that really means. He was top five in heart voting in 1925. Um, I think that was one of the first ever hearts, and he finished behind Billy Birch. Oh, yeah, this is the year Billy Birch won, and it's just like, what, really? Um he wasn't even the best player on his own team. Uh, Howie Morenz and the goalie Clint Benedict. Um, we had him as the best player, but not the MVP in 1923. And in 1923, he had 27 goals and 40 points in 22 games, which is pretty good. I think. Yeah. Uh, he set the single season record for point shares in 1925, the year he finished fifth 
in hard voting or fourth, fourth, fourth. Um, he held that record for a single season. He was the best player by point shares that season, obviously. He was top five player by point shares in uh, four seasons. So that's 21, 22, 23, 25. He was top 10 six times. So also in 24 and 27. He set the single season record for offensive point shares in that same uh, banner 1925 year. And he held that for two seasons. Uh, in both 23 and 25, he was the best offensive player by point shares, which that doesn't happen that often. He was top five, six times uh, and top 10, seven times. Um, which is, you know, pretty great. Um, he led the league in goals three times, which has tied the 10th most ever. Um, he was top five, six times, top 10, seven times. He led the league in goals per game three times, which is the eighth most ever. He's top five, six times, top 10, seven times. He had 35 goals twice, and he was one of only two players ever to do so The other at his retirement, the other being Joe Malone, the infamous Joe Malone, who scored 40 goals in his first season in the NHL, the first season of the NHL. He had 30 goals three times. He was the only player ever to do this at his retirement, and he had 25 goals four times, one of only two players ever at his retirement, the other being Howie Morenz, who was like the consensus best player ever at his own retirement. Forced retirement. Um, he was top five in assists once, top five in assists per game once, but like, that's like, you know, he had like a paltry number, you know, it was like 13 assists because it was the twenties. Um, he led the league in points twice, which is tied 10th most all time somehow, uh, top five times, sorry, top five, five times, top 10, six times. He led the league in points per game once, top five, five times, top 10, six times, obviously versus XP can't apply cause he played too early. But by those, one of the better offensive players in NHL history. Uh, he was the best player by points on one Stanley Cup champion. That was the 1922 uh, St. Patrick's. Um, and uh, I don't know if we can find that easily to see what he did in that. Uh, so the St. Patrick's... Uh, beat the Vancouver Millionaires um, three games to two games and Babe Die presumably had a bunch of goals yeah he did he had at least seven goals he had 11 goals in uh, what did I say five games yeah wow so he was good yeah, damn good. Um, and then, uh, sorry, lastly, he was a top three forward by points on one runner-up in uh, 21, the year before. Um, and, uh, yeah, that was ba- those are basically his playoff highlights. But he was one of the best goal scorers of his era. If you believe the adjustment, he was one of the greatest goal scorers of all time. Of course, that's silly, but, like, he was still one of the best goal scorers of his era. Um, there's no doubt about that. Uh, and, uh, he had a funny nickname. He doesn't look super young when I look at his picture, (laughs) you know, he just maybe a little bit in the picture that's on, uh, Wikipedia, but his hockey reference picture, he just looks like a guy. Now that's when he's on the Americans when he was, uh, 30, but 
like his earlier picture, um, which looks like it was when was it taken? Nineteen twenty, ish. Looks young-ish, I guess. He doesn't really look like a baby. Anyway, um, I mean, I feel like very obvious, no doubter, this guy, and super weird that they waited uh, until he was dead to induct him. Like, dead for a few years. He was inducted yeah. eight years after he died. Uh, like, they they don't they don't always uh, they don't always get on it, you know, when somebody deserves to get in. Yeah. They're like, nah, he can wait a bit, and it's like, well, you made him wait, and now he's this, not there. So this is one of those where I'm like, why did why did they wait this? Like, there's like he was one of the better players from the 1920s. <laughs> he actually he actually has a name that I recognize. Yeah, from, like, and they didn't induct it until 1970. It's like, what what were you doing? <laughs> like. He couldn't. Here's here's the thing, Bill. In 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 two in two episodes, we're going to talk about a hockey Hall of Fame class in which they inducted one player. So it's not as though they didn't have room. For yeah. Like what? What were the weird politics? It was like, oh no, not Babe die. Well, what what are what are the weird politics now? Like we still don't know, right? It all takes yeah, place behind closed doors, yeah. and like yeah. it's a complete mystery. Maybe they were mad that he briefly retired to play baseball. Maybe. It was like, we're going to hold this over you until after you're dead. It's really weird. I honestly, like, if anyone can recommend a book or something, I, I'm, I'm just, maybe there's an article out there. Um, it's, it's strange to me that this guy was so clearly um, one of the best goal scorers of his era. Arguably, you know, Given the relative dominance of his era, you could say among the better goal scorers in league history, you know, regular scoring above a goal per game in many in multiple seasons. Um, I know at a time when that was more common, but still, um, even defensemen scored a goal per game sometimes in the early twenties. But like, it's just crazy to me like what what was the reason that this guy is like yeah you gotta wait and then like he dies in 62 and they're like yeah okay but still (laughs) (laughs) we're gonna still make you wait we're gonna make your family wait now yeah uh hockey news in 1997 the hockey news ranked him 83rd of the 100 greatest hockey players of all time but the hockey hall of fame made him wait 40 years to be inducted after his retirement 39 but still it's just bizarre. Just you like just, you can never figure out what's going on. No, you're right. It is indicative. It's it's at least the nice thing is the the bullshit now that exists. It's always existed. At least yeah. we know that. It's not you know? just because like oh these guys are running it now and so now it's shitty. It's like no, it's always been. It's always shitty. yeah. It's always been this way. It's always been like you know, uh, we don't induct certain guys because like of their faces or something, you know? Yeah. Like, just like, Oh, I remember that guy. He slashed me once and I'm not putting him in. What? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I'm not going to tell you about it. We have no transparency. You're just going to, you're just going to know that somebody voted against it again. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, so I think babe dies just like in hands down. I absolutely no doubt. There's no question. The only question for me is like, is he among the best right wings of the twenties? Like that's the only real question I feel like. Yeah. Um, for the other two, though, I'm like, uh, I don't know, I'm like huge, like, 
Yeah, like, I have I have a lot of questions. Shoulder shrugs, like you know that famous you know shrug emoji. Yeah. I I uh, I have no idea what to do yeah, with but, either of them. Without advanced stats, how are we supposed to know? You know the the level of their play away from yeah. the puck. You yeah. know, like it, it, maybe if we know that, we're like, oh yeah, clearly that guy belongs. Like he was such an important player, but we don't know. Yeah. yeah. Um, and unless we again, unless we go back and somebody wants to pay us to watch. <laughs> as much old footage as we can get our hands yeah. on, uh, we're not going to know. Like it's just, 1,250 games of old footage in Bill Gadsby's case. I think I'm, we would I'm probably joking. just watch a few playoff series and call I'm joking, it I'm joking. <laughs> um, yeah, Somebody like it really is. Me, I'll do it. <laughs> it's really like Tom Johnson, and they're like almost like opposites, right? Tom Johnson mm-hmm. doesn't have any offensive stats, and he was on one of the best teams of all time. Arguably like, one of you know the five cups in a row is like like nobody you know it's it's just it's never going to happen again right like it's yeah. like the habs in the 70s were probably the best team in history you could say those 50s habs were you know they're with the the uh, islanders and maybe the oilers is like the next tier right yeah maybe even some people would probably even say they're they're up there with the 70s habs um, and then you have Bill Gadsby, who scored so much for a, a player, like a defenseman of that era, and has, he doesn't have the Norris, but he has more overall award recognition. He has more end-of-season all-star appearances, more Norris votes total. But then he has, like, just terrible team success and this nasty minus, yeah. um, including in seasons when his team somehow turned it around and was actually good at the end. And I have no idea. Like, I mean, I, I, like you always say, I don't think there's enough evidence to knock either of them out. And honestly, Gatsby had so many points. It's really hard to say this guy who had the most points of any pure defenseman at his retirement should be kicked out of the hall of fame. Yeah. But also I have no idea if he was any good or not. No, that's really, it's like really, really hard. <laughs> yeah. Funny. Um, yeah, I really thought I when when we first did this, I thought it was going to be like Tom Johnson, probably because of like the team record in the Norris, Bill Gadsby for sure because I don't know. I thought, you know, I've heard his name so many times, and then Babe Die for sure, and and now I'm like Babe Die for sure, and the other two guys probably, but I don't know. Yeah, it's uh, it's one of those. Uh... One of those blank spots where we're like, we we actually don't have enough evidence to kick him out, so we're gonna have to leave him in, <laughs> even though yeah, we like, suspect maybe he shouldn't be in. Yeah, because like, what if Bill Gadsby is just Phil Housley, you know? And I know Phil yeah. Housley's the Hall of Fame, but like, who really thinks Phil Housley should be the Hall of Fame? And like, I mean, that's possible. It's it's totally possible. Yeah. Um. Anyway. All right. Well, that was interesting. Um. And uh, what did I say? I said two episodes for the, yeah two episodes for the one we have only one player okay good yeah the next episode I think we for sixty nine we actually have a few more than that yeah all right good. all right anyway that is it for us for this episode I hope you enjoyed listening and uh, please uh, tune in next time and we will see you then.